Hello and welcome to Tea with Culture. I'm Wal Hattar, and today we're interviewing Nawar Qasimi, who is the development manager at Charge Art Foundation. In this episode, we're going to introduce you to Charge Art Foundation, a little history about it, and then when where it is and everything that's going on with it, as well as how it came about, how it operates, its whole perception and situation within the private and the public, as well as all of the great shows that it's done and hopefully learn a little bit more about it and the culture of Georgia in general. Hello. Hi, Wael. So let's start off first with Charger. Charger is in the Emirates. It's the third Emirate, as they usually place it. And I myself mentioned this before many times on the podcast. I'm a Charger boy as well. So it's always been kind of a very culturally positive hub um, of the Emirates, and they've always been doing this. And the Charge Art Foundation itself is only about 10 or so years old, correct? Yes, correct. We were founded officially in 2009, but we're operating earlier in the form of Sharjah Biennial. So the Sharjah Biennial has been happening since the early 90s, and it was under the Department of Culture, under the government of Sharjah, um, as a separate entity in 2003, uh, which was the sixth biennial. So it's, uh, it's an event that happens every two years. Um, Sheikh Ahur Qasimi, who's president of the foundation, uh, took that on board. That was the first biennial she worked on. And then from then onwards, um, it changed completely from a very traditional pavilion-like exhibition to a thematic exhibition. Um, and in 2009, there came a decision that the community and people in charge needed something more than a biennial that came and went every two years. Um, there were little things that were happening, such as grants for artists or conferences, and they needed, or we needed a formal structure. So in 2009, the institution was formed as Sharjah Art Foundation. Okay, so I guess before we go into uh, maybe the, the history, the detailed history of it, uh, can you just give the audiences a little bit of, of what you're doing now and the activities that you do? Because I know, apart from the biennial that you uh, you manage when we go into that discussion later on, you have some education and some shows. So just give us all those kind of points. So, of course, we have the biennial. Um, we have exhibitions. So we do annual exhibitions. We have events, so concerts, performances. Um, we work with film, music, and performance. Um, a lot of education programs focusing on children, adults, and people with disabilities. And artist and professional development programs. So these are grants, residencies, um, exhibitions as well, and community programs and projects. All this, and you are not technically part of the Sharjah cultural government bit, right? No, we used to work under the Department of Culture, and we've become a separate entity um, a couple of years ago. So we are now independent, but we operate. So we're we're we we are a government organization, but we operate in a different way from the typical government organizations. There's a tiny bit of shade in there. We might get that later on. <laughs> It'll be interesting to figure out what, what, what is public, what is government, what is private in those terms. So, yes, yeah, so going back to the history of it all, um, you had said you technically started in 2009. But before that, when you were operating, was it um, just kind of bits and pieces? Was it just governmental? How was that? So before that, we were operating as a biennial. So from the early 90s, uh, the Sharjah Biennial was organized under the Department of Culture. It was in um, the Expo, so it was in a commercial kind of... Mm -hmm. I remember it. Yeah, yeah, country pavilions. It was organized by people who didn't necessarily come from an art background or necessarily have that interest. So it was, you know, different countries, um, 
usually some form of painting or sculpture from someone from that country. Although I remember, I think it was early on, the Mona Hatoum had a wonderful world floor map thing that was fantastic. Yes, that was amazing. I think that one was in 2006, I believe. Um, so, yeah, so it, it, was, it was a very different, uh, very different form. And then in, in, the, in 2003, actually, uh, the sixth biennial, which Hood um, organized, and she brought in um, an artistic director, co-curator. There was a theme, and all of that changed completely. So it became thematic. So every edition had, um, it had a theme. It had works that were created um, in response to a certain theme. There was commissioning. So we commissioned projects. Um, as opposed to to earlier versions of the biennial when when you know artworks were just selected. But, but what does that have to do with the Charger Art Foundation history specifically? I mean, in the end, was I mean that's the question. The other question is, was Sheikha Hour working for the Department of Culture? She wasn't involved prior to that. So she came. She was doing. She was in uh, the Royal College of Art and doing her studies and doing an MA in painting, and then went back to do her degree in curatorial studies, and then came back and kind of took over the biennial. So came back with a curatorial, you know, a curatorial eye, a vision for it, a strategy, and not just the biennial, but looking at the biennial in the Emirate of Sharjah and what that can mean for the community here, for the city itself. Introducing uh, what we now have as the March meeting, which was in its first edition, a closed discussion, um, focusing, it was organized with um, the Young Theater Organization, and it was focusing on theater, and then the year after uh, moved to a different topic. So things like that, um, artists were given grants to, to produce work. This never would have happened outside of, you know, a foundation or that kind of mindset. Um, so I don't understand. I mean, I remember as, as, as a kid here in kind of super early on, uh, 80s, 90s, um, and there used to be always, there used to always be uh, theater and art things going on. And you said the reason that the foundation developed is because you only had a biennial, which isn't technically right. So, what, how was the landscape before? I mean, there were, there were different. No, I mean, what the foundation was doing, like what Charger Art Foundation itself was doing, or what the what the Department of Culture were doing, was this biennial that came and went, but there was nothing more for the community, as in there was no, in terms of like education, continuity, these kind of programs. But yes, of course, there were so many exhibitions going on. There was a lot of theater. I mean, I remember there was things at the Culture Palace all the time and things like that. But there were kind of like bits and pieces here and there, and you didn't really know, you know, this festival would happen and there would be another festival and then there would be another festival. But there was no kind of communication between the government and the communities. You know, where would you go to learn more about what was happening? How could you develop skills in whether it's art or music or theater? So there were these little things, and in order for the institution or in order for the government, I'm not even talking about it from a community perspective, but from kind of like a strategy and logistical perspective to do all of these things, it made sense to slot it under this institution that was Charger Art Foundation. Okay, which is a perfect segue to explain to us how the, how the Charger Foundation sits when it's not a governmental organization and maybe even enlighten us on what the cultural de department does now. Well, the cultural department in the past had um, theater, poetry, heritage, 
art, which was the biennial, and a few other things under it. What's happened now is like the, her the heritage depart the heritage activity has been pulled out of the Department of Culture, and there's a whole institute for heritage. The book fair, for example, mm -hmm. has come out, and now there's another institute for that. So they're, they're I think what they're trying to do is is um, focuses on heritage, books, art, culture, music. They're, they've put under institutions, so that means they have bigger funding, I imagine, mm -hmm. bigger budgets. Uh, they have a long-term vision and planning, and they're working separately as opposed to under one department. So that means that you can be more strategic when it comes to promoting the kind of people you hire, the kind of programs you're doing. So less bureaucratic. Less bureaucratic. And okay. I think you can also see that in the way that they've all evolved in like the festivals that they're doing or um, the way they operate, uh, the programs they put out, um, which I think are, I mean, I think the book fair is still one of, you know, the most exciting mm. festivals or, or, you know, um, events in Sharjah. I just think in terms of like a management, an internal management, mm -hmm. like the way that it's been going, I think it's much easier when you're independent. Mm -hmm. um, for us also, uh, one of the reasons that the foundation became independent wasn't even, it wasn't anything to do with like the public or anything like that, but it was more of like the way that we're structured, the way that we hire, the way that um, salaries come in, etc. So it was more of an internal process rather than it having anything to do with the public or the communities. So are you now funded by the government or is it self-funded? We're still semi-funded uh, semi by the government. We are a government institution, but we're just not under the Department of Culture. We're okay. independent from the Department what of Culture. What does semi-funded mean? We're partially funded by the government and we're also partially funded by corporate uh, sponsorship and private donations. Okay, are you allowed to explain to us a little bit kind of uh, the, the cut or the, the remit that you guys have and you have this much but the rest you have to do or how is there a system that works or you just want more money for bigger shows? We have a certain we have a certain budget that's allocated annually by the government and we work closely with the Central Finance Department of Sharjah and the government of Sharjah to determine how much funding we need for our project. And then there's a certain amount that we fundraise for all of our programs. So basically, what we fundraise for goes directly into our education programs, our public programs, etc. Well, I guess that's uh, uh, it's, it's, it's quite positive because when you think about it compared to lots of other countries around the world, even when they are governmental institutions, they get barely any funding. So do you guys get a big chunk of funding is, is something people take for granted that you still also have to take, make your own money. A lot of the big shows you have to do, which is a lot of flying art over and people and all the talks and pictures that you don't charge for any of them. So it's a, it's a huge, a huge way, the way, I guess, um, not necessarily similar to museums, but um, in a sense of, of a, of a, of a community-based uh, activation system. So it's, it's understandable that you would still need a budget from what you get. And, and, com and, it's, and it's not necessarily a... A, a larger PR tool, you actually do the work for for us, for the audiences, and that's that's brilliant. So thank you now, even though later on I might ask you some more awkward questions. No, but also I think we're we're something that I tell a lot of people is that we're very lucky in this part of the world because there is so much um, efforts and support from the government towards culture, and partially is because of, of the ruler of Sharjah's passion for culture, and this is. This is his thing, you know. He's he's a, he's an educated man who loves and supports culture, and because of him, their Sharjah is flourishing as you know the cultural 
capital of, of theory and and but I also feel like again like you said it shouldn't be taken for granted and this is what we're doing and part of what we do as as funders in the arts in general is really educate people a lot of times when we fundraise people say but you're government funded why do you need money or they say you know it's great but you're already government funded and and part of our argument is always like yes we are but we don't have to be government funded and we shouldn't have the government shouldn't carry that burden all the time and what we're doing is you know we're a public entity so everything that we're doing is really for the communities it's for the public so there needs to be more I think support from the private sector when it comes to supporting arts because this really directly influences you know it's your families and your kids and your community um but it's been very positive um, over, you know, over the years that I've been vo involved in fundraising. And people generally, I think you, you really have to give people positive experiences and open their eyes. And then they're always really supportive. Uh, but we do get this question of, but the government supports you. Why do you, you know? Which is, not, which is not fair, especially that you guys are quite interactive. So in kind of the old school Arabic world sense of government funded means there is no change, no criticism, no conversation. But with you guys, it's more government supported, which allows us, the public, to be able to engage and ask for things and change things and keep developing things, which uh, in the past uh, 10 years or so has been really evolving and really developing. And even you've even taken our comments and myself a few years ago and, and added that. So it's, it's always interesting to have that open mind and the flexibility to say, okay, if, if I can't afford to do that extra project I want, this company would help and we can still do that and, and grow it and without getting kind of points down. As in, uh, and I'm, I'm pretty sure that if, like any larger company or larger entity, if you're getting money from the government or anything else, you still have to give them back an X amount of points of things to do, like a checklist. So with, with, with the... Uh, with the outside money or the public money that you get, there's a little bit of freedom as well in that, correct? Definitely, yes, definitely. And we're very lucky. We're very lucky for that. Um, but it's also, I mean, we're, we're, we like to think of ourselves as an institution that's very open and very close. We're not, you know, we're not very, like, bureaucratic. We're not really, you can't talk to us and you can't reach us. We're very close to our communities and we, we, like, to, we like to think that we have this open-door policy. If there's something that you don't like, tell us. And chances are we will change it, we will fix it, we will adapt, because what, everything that we do is very much in response directly to our audiences and what people want and need, and we kind of go back and forth all the time and, and, and you know, ask questions of, are we, are we still doing what we set to do, you know, X years ago? Is it still as effective? Are people interacting with us? Are we getting new audiences? If yes, that's great. If not, why? So we're very... Um, we're very connected, I think, to our audiences, and I think a lot of our funders also see it, and this is what makes it really exciting for them. They know that when they're supporting a project, they do see the outcomes, they do see the different audiences that come in, they, they really see where their money's going, which is also very hard when you're, um, when you're a public entity or when you work in art and culture. You know, y you don't have those number like mm -hmm. it's hard to translate yes. um, funding into like specific outcomes so it's things that you see over time well, even mm -hmm. the smallest things I remember when uh, part of my young collectors group a couple of times we came and you guys gave us a private tour and, and an education and a talk to explain to them to that smaller group even so I can imagine what you would do with, with larger ones so 
so now I'm going back to, to your, your specific interaction of it since, we're, since we are talking about projects and work and development and you as a development manager from what I understand from that is this would encompass a little bit of PR a little bit of marketing and a lot of funding and, or is it more about finding new proje- projects and work um, well, it's a, it's it's both. Um, a lot of my work really mainly consists of um, uh, strengthening existing partnerships and then looking for new partnerships. And part of that, part of those projects do come out of part of those partnerships. So we have projects that we do in collaboration with some of our funders. Um, we work very closely together um, and to find things that fit for the foundation. So we are doing, for example. Um, a curator and residency project with Air Arabia, which is really cool, which is an idea that came about um, of having a curator in residence that would look at the Air Arabia flight map and then do research based on the countries that are on that flight map and work with artists from that region. And, and, and it came about discussions of, you know, what is a region? How do you define your region? Is it by your local mm-hmm. airline carrier? And we pitched the idea to Air Arabia. They love it. We work with them really closely together. And they were like, great, let's do it. So this is, we have, because because we're not a typical, I think, government organization, um, funders get really excited mm-hmm. about, you know, the possibility of doing projects together. And we have that openness and freedom to work on cool stuff together. And I've seen you guys with the, with the past show with Hassan Sharif. You've really pushed beyond the, the usual in marketing and you had advertising everywhere. So going back to your quick example of the Air Arabia, are they using that well? Like, for example, if I'm taking a flight, in their little booklet where they talk about the projects, yes. has it? Definitely. Well, we haven't launched it yet, but we were discussing it. And definitely, I mean, they, they want to work with us on advertising, mm-hmm. on creating like digital ads together. They want to put things on the flight. They want to put things in their magazine. They want to put things on their website. They want to email things out for us. They're actually super excited. And, you know, they're like, let's let us do the ad for you. Let us do this for you. So it's great. They're super interested mm-hmm. and um, very collaborative. So definitely. Yeah. I mean, I like that just because uh, your the, the art that you guys present and show is a lot of it is made to be easily digestible and quite understood by everybody. Uh, and it is in the heart of the city, so it's not somewhere far away. They have to drive and pay a fortune to get in. Um, and then also this budget airlines, in a sense, is for everybody. So it's it's more of a everyone can understand it, not necessarily yeah. the highbrow idea of art, which unfortunately a lot of the time is that's what the art and cultural world gets skewed and it's getting to this, oh, these pseudo wishy-washy poofy people that just like it and want to talk about that and, and not, not have the rest engage. And I guess this would take us to public funding do the since nothing is paid do you do you sometimes um, get uh, kind of smaller private uh, presence from from people who want to support like patrons and like like how museums do it we've started a small uh, but growing patrons group so yes we do have um, a patrons group and generally it's people who love what we do mm-hmm. um, people from both in the UAE and outside of the UAE who are supporters of what we're doing so we do have a small patrons group and it's really interesting to see and it's something that we've made very accessible so there's different levels so you don't have to be you know a big high profile collector to be a patron you can be you know a student or you can be like just a regular person that loves what we're doing and wants to support so we've tried to make it very accessible Um, and we have a small growing um, 
program and and starting a patrons program was really interesting because a lot of a lot of the time we were thinking well would people be open to it mm. people don't really give to art people give to charity it's not part of our culture um and we just kind of you know we had the idea of of launching the program and people's reception was very positive and for for everyone listening can you find information about that online now we have some information on our website and it tells you how to like we don't have all the details of course because it's it we have different packages de- tailored to different interests and different people but people can write of course and inquire about it on our website okay so that's good so even if you are a young little art student with a, a few pennies to to share uh, give it to us and i guess <laughs> the charity of art so other people can be exposed to more so this, I guess this leads us to perception. We, we talked earlier about how people see you in general as a governmental thing, but now we're talking about more and more and how you're moving it towards uh, by the people, for the people type of thing. And, and with this patron group and with, the, with, the, with more of these kind of conversations and, and talks and even film and music public events, you also have an educational uh, aspect that's kind of relatively quite new, right? Well, we've been doing education for a while now, but it's recently, I mean, as we're growing as a foundation and as our exhibitions and uh, and our team as well are growing, we've become more focused. So our exhibition programs are always in parallel to the shows that we're doing. Um, so always very relevant to what you'll see as a, as a visitor. And uh, we tailor them to different groups of people, but they're always taught by um, local UAE-based artists, sometimes you know, people from the outside, but almost always professional teaching artists. So they're also delivered by art professionals. So give us a little bit of an idea of what these educational things are. Um, seminars, talks. Um, we have courses. So, for example, with film, we've had film seminars and courses mm-hmm. where you do, like, a longer program and learn about editing or making films, script writing. Um, we had professional development programs where we talked to people about developing your portfolio if you're an artist or how to talk about your artwork or okay. how to you know how to sell yourself as an artist how to approach uh, uh, and now I'm assuming the more technical ones are paid for you have to pay a certain amount of money and do that while the talks and lectures are not correct we've done almost everything for free but in very small instances we've had courses that were paid for but that was just for if we had to have like equipment or things okay. like that but so like the film stuff um, but for now everything is free Wow, that's brilliant. Because when you think class, you think you have to pay something. But that's great. I mean, for everyone, and this is open for everyone in the UAE to just come in, pop in, and and do that. Yeah, it's open for everyone. We also have art centers, which we opened with the last biennial, so seven centers in in around Sharjah. So we have the Art Institute, which is uh, in the arts area in Sharjah, but but we also have centers in Kalbazid, Al Madam, Al Hamriya which are other towns in Sharjah. And a lot of these centers are really in neighborhoods. Mm-hmm. And during the biennial, they were looking, they were very thematic, so they were focusing on certain themes. And it was a place where we taught different crafts. So a lot of, for the longest time, people would come and say, oh, great, Saf, I want to learn how mm-hmm. to, I don't know, do pottery, basic pottery or painting or weaving and things like that. And for the longest time, we weren't able to do it. But um, over the the last year, these centers were um, kind of included under Sharjah Art Foundation, and we thought this is the perfect time to do it. They're community centers; they're really based in neighborhoods, and we want it. We and we work with local artists, craftsmen, um, and 
really local talent to deliver all of these workshops. So we've had courses and seminars on different subjects. We do things with photography in one center. We do things with pottery and weaving in another. Um, it's been really great. And the audience is completely different to people who are coming to our you know, talk about your work or make a yeah. portfolio or... Yeah, actually, this is uh, coming for... I'm not sure if everybody, everybody outside of the UAE knows this, but um, all the all of the all the, lo- the neighborhoods or kind of little town that you mentioned, um, not everything in the UAE is shiny, large, and glitzy. There are a lot of rural and semi-rural areas where it's a, a small little mini, mini hamlet or a town um, that does live by itself. No skyscrapers, nothing, and people usually work in the area, a lot of farming and a lot of kind of uh, smaller factories and things. So, so for these people, like any other town, small town outside in the world, these are it. So, so for them to be to be, to have the um, opportunity to to be to be aware of all this art and and really get involved is, I think, something interesting for us. Rather than just focus it on the capital and or the major cities, and that's it. So, in, so in itself, that's uh, I think it's a positive thing, and I'm glad that it is being seen positively by. By, by its audiences there. And also, a lot of times, I think um, people outside of the art world are always intimidated by art. Mm. They don't understand it. And I know a lot of people who always ask, is this for us? Can we come in? Can we see it? What is it? I don't understand it. Yeah. So having these smaller or having these um, parallel programs that are not necessarily all about contemporary art are mm. a really good way in yes. for people. So they come and they do workshops, whether it's pottery or painting or photography and then they ask so what else can I see what's more and then they're invited to come and see an exhibition which they may never have heard about in the past but through this program it's kind of opened their eyes or made them more aware that there is this foundation and this is what they're doing and then slowly they also integrate into other Mm -hmm. things that we're doing so part of what we do with film music and performance also leads into like bigger audiences coming to see our shows but also in a lot of ways it's it's explaining to the younger audiences in these kind of uh, non-central areas is that one, there is a lot of things you can do besides the work that you know you the only option that you have so it opens up their their eyes to other stuff and then also it tells them that it's okay to be in this it's not like a a dirty bad thing like a lot of times in the Arab world uh, but also in, in our specific kind of Emirates world where it's like no you have to be big and shiny and make millions or else you just get a nobody kind of thing. But then also the other aspect of it, where not everything has to be deep and meaningful, but going to uh, crafts work and also that people think is naff now, but then all of a sudden you have, you're, you're losing techniques that have been have been taught and, and educated and trained and forever because it's not really written down anywhere specifically, so unless they're taught and kept in the mind, they're, they're gone. So it's a good way to, to keep this alive and hopefully it's one of these younger persons uh, would, would develop and take the, the learnings of everything around them and create a new and interesting way for us to see their world and the world in itself. So yeah, definitely. Through, through specific mm-hmm. crafts and things that we also feel are not being preserved necessarily. Yeah. As I said earlier on, the Emirate of Sharjah had really started this before it was hip and trendy and, and cool. And, and now with the Arab world is... is I mean, from the Gulf, at least, rather than Levant. Levant has a different history with, with things. Um, but, but now, as, as more of the, the Gulf is catching up and trying to have the biggest this, the first that, all of these things happening, is there anything similar uh, popping up in the region that we can compare to or, or at least something outside that, that, peop- that people listening or even myself can understand better to compare to something else? And I can, I can re-ask this again. 
are you working with anybody within the area to, to boost them, to, to help them develop? Well, the first question, I think it's hard to look at other institutions and compare because I think our the way that we work is a little different. But, for example, I know that, for example, Ashkar Alman Beirut is very similar to SAF in the sense that it was kind of founded at the same time. They have homeworks, which is sort of like a biennial, and they do residencies and education programs. So I think regionally this is the first kind of institution that comes to mind. Um, and are we working with any other institutions in the region to help them? We Part of our professional training programs is working with smaller institutions or biennials. And what we've done in the past is we've had teams um, from different smaller biennials in the region send staff to intern and train with our tech staff um, to kind of see behind the scenes what goes into making a biennial, what kind of skills you need, what are, what's the work that you need to do. And we've also sent our tech team to help install other biennials in the region, which is really cool because they're also really one of the best out there. They've been doing it for so long and they work mm -hmm. on a lot of different um, they work on a lot of different um, exhibitions and events, but they have the skills needed to, you know, install or if you're talking about lighting, exhibition design, all of that. So they've also helped um, some other institutions in the region. Can you name some of these biennials that you've worked with? Um, Kochi Biennial, for one, I know part of our team wanted to help install. Um, I know the Lahore Biennial that's just opening had some of their team interning with us. And then we've also sent staff to different institutions to train with them as well. So it's um, we have these networks of like professional development programs. And anything happening now with the burgeoning art scene in, in, in Jeddah or Saudi Arabia in general? Is there any kind of back and forth or communication with, with them? Uh, we've worked with some artists from Saudi. At the moment, there isn't really anything being planned, but we're looking at some projects. So we had the Do It in Arabic project that showed in Sharjah, and we had it took it also happened in um, in Palestine, um, in Amman. I think we also had uh, an iteration of the project in Bahrain. So we're in discussion with partners in Saudi as well to work um, with a partner institution there and do something. Um, and we try to regularly kind of visit and see what they're doing and build connections. I think it's a very interesting scene. Mm. Uh, I think there's a lot happening. So I think it's uh, definitely, you know, down the line, definitely will some, someone we're interested in working with. And about comparisons, when I asked how, how Charger Art Foundation or SAF is, how do you, if anything else out there, um, from, from the, the part of the organization and the ideas, is, is there something that you guys use as reference or look in, like see and learn from? Talk to, so you mentioned Ashkal Alwan, but is there anything um, more foreign that you've kind of taken some points of? Because in the end, you haven't recreated the, created the wheel. So it's more about taking ideas that you like from different organizations and trying to meld them for our specifics. I mean, we definitely look at big institutions around the world, such as the Tate. Uh, we look at MoMA, for example, and really just look at programs and look at certain things they're doing. So whether it's, you know, from, from an education perspective or from a programming perspective, but then everything that we do is really filtered or tailored uh, to the UAE, the Gulf, the region, okay. and our audiences here. But we definitely look at big institutions, yeah. 
Um, and, and how close are, is your interaction with the museums here? Because I know the Sharjah uh, museums are, are quite strong, and there's, there's a bunch of them, and I'm actually um, going to be interviewing them in a couple of weeks, so we're going to have that episode. But uh, do, you, do you use their spaces? Do you interact a lot? Do you have some group projects together? Definitely. Um, we share spaces. So when we have uh, the biennial or sometimes exhibitions, uh, we use some of their venues, and we work very closely together, so sometimes we co-produce or um, co-exhibit works together. Um, and, you know, we're in close proximity, so we're always kind of overlapping, whether it's with, you know, sharing spaces or guests or audiences or programs. So we do a lot of work together. Yeah, that's, that's uh, happy and positive. Um, I guess so, which is a good break where we can stop a little bit talking about the marketing history stuff and talk about the actual project and the work. How do you go about selecting the artist or the art show or the theme that you guys do, not for the biennial, for your annual shows? Um, so our, we look at artists that we have relationships with almost always, um, and sometimes not, but we look at artists that we think are interesting and the work and work that is relevant or what we think is relevant to audiences here. Um, so we've, been, we've done a lot of international shows. We've recently been doing a lot of work with artists from the region uh, more so than in the past um, and doing a lot more modern, modern work where in the past we showed a lot of contemporary so um, part of it is also looking at our audiences and what we've shown so if we've done a lot of contemporary and we feel like people have gotten comfortable with it and seen it and gotten excited about it we take a now we're, we've kind of taken a step back and we're doing more modern and so it's really kind of how we would like to share ideas and experiences with our audience and looking at what's beneficial for them. Um, I think it's not enough to keep putting out the same type of work all the time. I think audiences can get overwhelmed if you do too much. So I think um, it's not, not necessarily a strategy, but what we've been doing is working with, we did a lot of contemporary for a while and now showed um, some Arab modern, so we had a show of Sudanese artists a while back that people just absolutely loved and engaged with, and that was for us, like, right, that was really interesting, people loved it, let's do more, and that's kind of how we go. And how do you get this information? Do people leave comments, do you get interactions, is it just, or you just guess? I think you have to be really observant and see um, how people react to it. Audience numbers is also important. We can tell if people enjoyed an exhibition, by how many people came to see it. Um, that's, I mean, I wouldn't necessarily that say it's fair, especially that your marketing has been has been fluctuating. So a lot of times you have ads on things, sometimes you don't have ads on things. And and unfortunately, that is something that affects a show, is, is awareness of it, not, not only if people like it or not, because word of mouth alone can't really get you the number, especially in the, organi- the size of the organization that you are. For sure, but we also work with a lot of target and select groups. So we have, we always have schools and universities and um, culture institutions that we work with. So we have a set number of people that always come uh, regularly. So for example, schools, I think there is probably a school uh, visit every week or every other week. Um, and then universities as well. So we work with faculty and professors to bring students in. Okay. And we also have sessions where, specifically with students in universities, um, the students kind of come back and do a presentation on, you know, an artist that they saw or something that they've discovered. So we have a lot of different forms of interaction Mm -hmm. with audiences. Um, And then, of course, there's, uh, you know, the press and the media and all of that. And how does that go? How how is your uh, public persona? I mean, 
before the recording, we were talking a little bit about the development of social media and interaction. How has that been for you guys, and how has that impacted uh, what, both ways of you seeing yourselves and, and everybody else seeing you? Um, we take comments very seriously, so we read every single thing, and we see everything, so we know what people are saying. But also, I think it's very important because... Uh, this is and this is something that I say all the time. The press is not critical. The press are going to write a very nice, shiny press release and only talk about who came to see your show. They're not going to be very critical. They're not going to tell you if you did a good job or if you didn't. And that's where social media comes in. That's where people tell you what you want to hear and what you don't want to hear. And that's where people are very honest and they comment. And whether it's public or you know they comment publicly or privately, um, I think it's a really good resource of. of of information and feedback from audiences. Um, and of course, we have we sometimes do surveys and feedback forms and people give their opinion, but um, it's a total game changer, I think, for institutions and, and for, for everybody, but even for institutions in a place where there's not so much critical press and critical writing yeah. locally. Um, and, you know, sometimes people don't say a lot of things, but sometimes they do. No, you're right about the critical aspect. This is something that we, and I have mentioned a lot of times and we're having problems with because people always also just see it as something bad to do versus that's the only way people can grow and develop. But um, it's interesting seeing uh, kind of your, your social media stuff because your website, and this is a proper positive comment compliment, is that your website is brilliant. It's easy to navigate. It's, your information is always there. It's updated well. And that is one of the few web websites we have in, in, in the Emirates, at least connected to the arts, that has something going on and everything is linkable. And I don't want to go into the, the past and the problems I've had with other people's, but it's very easy. And even in, in, in my terms, as someone always been following on, on this, I get the, the emailers and everything else, and it's quite specific to what I want and not over uh, bothered. Although I have to admit one thing, recently your Twitter has weakened compared to the more youthful social media pages, but I guess that's just mean and not, not you. Well, I t we, take that, we took that comment into consideration, and I really did go back to our social media team and say, guys, you know what, Wild says. <laughs> and if Wild says, then it's serious. But um, I think also a lot of times it's, um, I think uh, the, the pe people who handle your social media also have personalities that sometimes yeah. come through. But at the same time, the institution has a personality, and our institution's personality has also shifted. We're, we used to be a very, very serious, like on social media, mm -hmm. a very serious organization. And as we're doing more fun programs like film and music and performance, and if wanting to appeal to a younger audience, we've also had to change the way that we... Very fair, very yeah, fair. Yeah, and we've also had to change and evaluate the way that we communicate. And in the past, we would, for example, be really specific about, you know, don't put an ex don't use an exclamation mark or an institution or don't sound too chirpy and happy. But then you also have to change. Yeah, but, I mean, but even even within the different medium, you have to change. So an Instagram post is very different, a Twitter post is very different, a Facebook post is very different, an emailer. So I don't want to get any smiley faces in emailer, but something on a story, it's it's okay. Yeah, definitely no no definitely no emojis in our mailers anytime soon. <laughs> Let's end on some of the, the shows that's happening this year because we, I think we had a wonderful conversation about the, the general Sharjah Art Foundation, its history and everything else. I don't think I've missed anything. So um, can, you, can, can you tell us a little bit about the projects and shows that are coming up in 2018 and maybe 19, if you know? 
So in 2018, we're showing work of Mona Saudi. She's a Jordanian sculptress. So I think her, I, in, I interviewed early on in the podcast. I'll, I'll dig it up and I'll link it. But yeah, she's a, a definitely a character in herself and her work is quite fantastic. Oh, it's interesting that she's doing it. And the, and the rest? Yes. And um, Latif Al-Ani, who's an Iraqi uh, photographer, and his exhibition is, shows a lot of work from Metropolitan Baghdad from the 60s. Okay. Um, and Anna Bourajan, who is um, Egyptian-Canadian-Armenian. Um, and we've showed her work in earlier biennials before. And Zainab Sadira, who's French-Algerian, and she's doing um, a project with some like new commissions for Sharjah, and it should be really exciting. And, and these are uh, like three-month, three-month, three-month shows, and they're all ladies. Yes, they are all three-month shows, and with the exception of Latif, they are all oh, Latif, ladies. Latif, I heard of Latif. Latif. Um, I didn't think of that. Thank you for pointing. Oh, and we also have Hamad Ahmed Ibrahim, who is okay. an Emirati artist. Um, we're also showing uh, Amal Qinawi later in the year who's an Egyptian artist. And we have, I mean, we have a lot of exciting exhibitions and projects, but in 2019, we also have the Sharjah Biennial, which should be really exciting. Uh, and we have three curators for this edition. So it should also be um, a lot of fun and a lot of exciting content, I think, for, for the city. Uh, we have Amar Khleif, uh, Claire Tankons, and Zoe Bat. So one man, two women. <laughs> it should be a lot of fun. And, and they're also international. They don't, they don't work together, right? Yeah, they're international. So I think it's going to be the first time that they're all working together, um, which is, I think, really exciting. They have different, uh, you know, they're, they're working now on, like, selecting their artists and everything, but they come from different backgrounds yeah. and have different uh, views on things. So I think it should be really exciting. And we have, um, for, for every biennial, we work with a lot of off-site venues and look at really interesting locations as well. So they've been doing a lot of scouting, so it should be great. All I know is that every, every other year, the biennials get better and better. And, and Christine Tom is the one you did with her Tamawaj. It was quite brilliant. And, and as well, we have mentioned that it was always really well organized because a lot of times you get things that, that aren't, that are there, but then they're just fluffy and you float away. But usually the the dedication to, to the technical proficiency of it is, is quite well done. So looking forward to that. And I guess on that positive, happy little note, I want to say thank you so much for uh, uh, for talking to me and answering all my questions no matter how odd they were. Thank you, Ad. It's been great ch- chatting with you. For everyone listening, as per usual, you can listen, download, rate, and comment Tea with Culture on uh, SoundCloud, iTunes, uh, Sketcher, and Google Play. Thank you very much.